And um, as I tell you this story, I'm going to tell it to you in several sections. And I invite you just to listen, just to try to take in the story as best you can. And and then I'm going to invite you to participate. And uh, we need some ground rules to do that with a group this large. So the ground rules are um, that, first of all, a good discussion takes participation. So I encourage you all to participate in it. Um, But for us all to participate, um, you're going to need to share uh, shortly (laughs) and loudly. So try to keep your responses short. And they're nice and loud so people can hear them. And I'll probably repeat them just for the sake of the recording and also so that everyone can hear. Um, Second, as you're sharing, we want to make sure that we're not criticizing one another because there's no real wrong answer to the kind of questions I'm going to ask as long as they're from the story. So share your perspectives, but you don't need to criticize someone else's perspective. I'm not going to criticize any of you either. Um, But I am going to make sure that we're all answering from the story. We have different levels of, of biblical knowledge here, but we can all be experts on the story that we're about to hear because we're just going to be talking about this story. So um, I'll keep us on track, make sure we're looking at the story together. And um, those are the ground rules. So let's jump right in. So the Lord God had appeared to Abraham and told him to leave everything and to follow him to the land that God would show him. There God would bless Abraham and his wife Sarah and make them and their descendants a blessing to the nations. Abraham believed God and they went. Along the way, God made a covenant with Abraham, promising to give him descendants to make them into a great nation and to give them the land of Canaan to live in. And through this people who were to walk before God faithfully and blamelessly, God would make himself known to the world and bless all peoples. In time, God miraculously provided Abraham and Sarah with a son named Isaac, and then Isaac grew up and had a son named Jacob. Well, Jacob had 12 sons who became eventually the 12 tribes of Israel. And what I want to tell you is a part of their story. Joseph, a young man of 17, was the 11th son to come along to Jacob. And he was his father's favorite. Jacob even made a special ornate robe for Joseph. When his brothers saw that their father loved Joseph more than any of them, they hated Joseph and they could not speak a kind word to him. Now, Joseph had two dreams. When he had the first one, he told it to his brothers. Listen to the dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more. Joseph's second dream was similar. This time, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to him. And he told this one to his brothers too. Not surprisingly, they reacted the same way they had to the first. Now, his brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near a place called Shechem. And Jacob said to Joseph, go and see if everything's all right with your brothers and with the flocks and bring word back to me. But when he got there, the brothers saw Joseph in the distance wearing his ornate robe. And before they reached him, or before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. 
Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Well, before they carried out this plan, they looked and they saw a caravan of Ishmaelite traders on camels heading for Egypt. So they decided to sell Joseph as a slave instead. This way they could make some money for themselves and at the same time not be guilty of killing their brother. After all, they rationalized, he is our own flesh and blood. After they sold their brother into slavery, the brothers took Joseph's robe, slaughtered a goat, dipped the robe in the blood. They they took the ornate robe then back to their father and they said, we found this. Examine it and see if it's your son's robe. Then Jacob tore his clothes, he put on sackcloth, and he mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. All right, let's pause there. How would you describe Jacob's family? (laughs) Jealous. Dysfunctional, unforgiving, sad, revengeful, favoritism, wicked, disconnected, arrogant, opportunistic. How would you, what, what? Blessed by God. Interesting. How would you describe Joseph so far in the story? Brave? Brave? Arrogant? Naive? I heard some, I I think Phil said something else, but I couldn't hear it. Clueless. Submissive. Submissive. Truthful. Truthful. Self-centered. What? Caring. Dreaming. <laughs> All right, let's continue this. Oh, wait, no, one more story. One, one more question. Judgmental? Poor judgment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one more question. If this family, Jacob and his kids, showed up at church, would you expect that they would be the family God would work through most powerfully and fully? <laughs> No. <laughs> she wouldn't approve. Yeah. Ah, potential for incredible miracle. A family in need of some counseling, maybe. All right, let's continue the story. Meanwhile, in Egypt, the traders sold Joseph to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. When his master saw that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. And the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Now Joseph was well built and handsome and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Joseph refused. He said, How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. 
she caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. When Potiphar got home later, his wife showed him Joseph's cloak. She claimed that Joseph had tried to rape her. Potiphar was furious. He put Joseph in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. God showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The Lord gave Joseph success in whatever he did. Sometime later, Pharaoh was angry with two of his officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two had a dream the same night. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So they told him their dreams and Joseph interpreted both of them. There was good news for the cupbearer. He would be restored to his position. The baker, however, would be executed. Bad news for him. Joseph pleaded with the cupbearer, when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. I have spent the past 11 years of my life as a slave here in Egypt. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. All right, let's pause again here um, and think about uh, what do you see in Joseph as the story continues? What is Joseph like as the story develops here? Responsible. Great character. Humble, blessed by God. Has integrity. Less self-centered. Hopeful, maturing, knows God is with him, steadfast. Not completely content with his situation, imagine. What evidence do we see that Joseph is part of God's covenant family? Faithful. No matter what he does, where he goes, God blesses him. Gives God the glory. Not bitter. Tries to do what's right. God gives him the interpretation to two dreams. Okay, so kept alive. Maybe Potiphar didn't think so negatively of him, even though Potiphar was angry about the whole situation. What, what might lead you to believe that the covenant isn't working, that God isn't being faithful to Joseph? In jail. For 11 years. A slave for 11 years. Still in Egypt. The cupbearer forgot him. 
other people's other people's stupid acts and Joseph gets blamed, he gets the consequences. Any of that ever happened to you? <laughs> Rhetorical question. <laughs> All right, well, let's continue. When two full years had passed, Pharaoh had two dreams. In the morning, his mind was troubled, and he sent for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream the same night, and there was a young Hebrew there, a servant of Potiphar, and we told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, and things worked out just like he said they would. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream, and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream you can interpret it i cannot do it joseph replied to pharaoh but god will give pharaoh the answer he desires then pharaoh told joseph his dreams one was about seven fat sleek cows who came up from the nile river but then seven other scrawny ugly cows also came up and the lean ugly cows ate up the fat ones the other was about seven heads of grain full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind, and the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, The dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are the same seven years. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterwards are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. Those are seven years of famine. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt, but seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance of Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh twice in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. Joseph continued, And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and a wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land. They should collect all the extra food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may not be ruined by the famine. The plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. And with that, Joseph put aside his prison clothes and became a person of incredible kingdom influence. As the story continues, we learn that he is now in a position to provide for his own family during the famine. They eventually do come and all bow down to him. Jacob's family is, is then reunited and, and moved to Egypt where Joseph provides for them during the famine. 
In the meantime, with all this food stored away, Joseph is able to bless Egypt and many other famished nations as well. All right, so how are Joseph's dreams fulfilled at the end of the story? Precisely. What happens to fulfill the dreams? Brothers all bow down to him. Anything else? His parents, who presumably the sun and the moon in this dream bow down to him as well. Yes, gathered around him just like in the sheaves. How, how do you see God's covenant with Abraham being worked out in the life of Joseph? God's covenant with Abraham, we looked at that a few weeks back. How do we see that being worked out in the life of Joseph? Many groups were blessed by getting food during the famine. And how does that relate to uh, Abraham? Just remind us of what. So all the nations of the earth would be blessed through Abraham's descendants. So to some degree that took place through Joseph's being able to provide food for many nations. Eve, you were going to add something? The same, Okay. Any any other way that you see that? Yeah, Lydia. Right. So God preserved the the race of Abraham's descendants when they could have died out in the famine. Anything else? The way you see God's covenant uh, being worked out in the life of jo- Joseph. Okay. The harmony of the family is restored. Now, do you see that in the story? Okay, yeah. So I kind of summarized what happened after the part we looked at. But if you were to continue reading the story, not only does Joseph provide food for them and doesn't kill them, but there's restoration that takes place. That's motivation for you to read the rest of the story, chapter 42 and following. What else? How do we see God's covenant with Abraham being worked out, Pat? It's all provided by God. None of it could happen without him. Okay, so God takes the lead and offers the provision for it to happen. But where do you see evidence of that? Dreams. Dreams? His ability to interpret them? Preservation, yeah, of his life. Yes, yeah, so Joseph actually had a solution. He said, here's what I think you should do. And it was a wise and a good solution. God's timing. Right. Right. So Pharaoh, uh, Joseph was kept in prison right, right next to the whole royal household, un- underneath them, almost literally, right there until Pharaoh needed the interpretation, and then Joseph was right there at hand. Hard way to be in the waiting room, waiting for your moment on this, the story of history. But uh, anything else? 
So the covenant... <laughs> so God works out his plan through what seems like chaos, mismanagement, and purposelessness. He gets Israel to Egypt so they can get out again. I think the element of faith is evident too. Faith. He had a strong faith and hope in God that kept him going. So Joseph had a strong faith and hope in God that kept him going. Last comment, Lydia, on this question. Where was that in the story? <laughs> yeah, again, keep reading the story because if you do, you'll, you'll see how in Egypt they were able to flourish there. Okay, so um, we see what kind of family Joseph is from and, and we see what kind of man he is. And, and we've seen the kingdom blessing that God eventually achieves through Joseph. So with that in mind, what does Joseph's family contribute to this blessing that eventually arises? They sold their brother into slavery. What else do they contribute? His father must have taught him about the covenant and about God. Okay, yeah. So he must have had something instilled in him by his father for him to, and his mother, or someone in his family. <laughs> They knew God's love uh, through, through his father's love. So Joseph knew God's love through his father's love. So let's put Joseph a, a, aside for a minute because we, we, I want to look at that separately. But aside from Joseph, what else does the rest of his family contribute to the way this all works out? Not much? Dysfunction? Wickedness? Anything else? Okay, so they went down to Egypt. Forced by God. They were the impetus for going to Egypt. What? Loved. And what does Joseph contribute? We've shared some of that. What else does Joseph contribute to the story? A snotty attitude? Grace. Grace. Forgiveness. Forgiveness at the end of the story. Character. Faithfulness. What? Wisdom. A lot of love. Provision. Learning patience. And willingness to be used by God. And what does God contribute to the blessing that works out at the end? We've, shared, we've talked about some of this already. Anything else that God contributes? What? Praying. God keeps his word. He proved faithful. Food. 
Seven years of plenty. Foresight. Long picture. A long-term plan. Uh, so that anticipates um, the next question. What do we learn about God from this story? What do we learn uh, first about his character and then about his plans and pur- pur- his ways? So first about his character. What do we learn about God's character in this story? Merciful. How do you see that? You're being kind to them. Lack of maturity. <laughs> Where's that? that? We're getting ahead of the story again. Yeah. Okay, but we see, I just want to, so people could hear what you're saying. So the, the, the brother's lack of maturity, uh, faith, everything that we've talked about, the dysfunction, the favoritism in the family, and yet God is merciful to them nonetheless and preserves them and continues to work through them. What else about God? God God's faithfulness. He keeps, God keeps the covenant with his people. So he, 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 you said forsakes in order to fulfill. So he lets jo- Joseph, leaves him alone in a sense, but in the long run, that actually fulfills the plan. Is that, am I summarizing that right? God is with him. So God is actually equipping him for leadership through these different responsibilities that he has, even though Joseph may not know that's what's happening. God is resourceful. Anything else about God's character? <laughs> ultimately considered to God's ultimate purpose, yet in the process he seems unjust. He knows that's how we grow. How about his ways and his plans? Anything else about those? So everyone thinks they're horrible, and yet secretly God is steadfast in them, as it turns out. His timing is perfect. His timing is perfect. I don't know if Joseph would agree with that, but we, we can see it in retrospect from the comfort of our... Cheers. God's ways are not obvious. Say that again. Okay, so God achieves his plan, whatever we do. God finds a way to achieve his plan. So last question, what do we learn about what it means to be part of God's covenant family from this story? 
could be blessed even though we're in trouble. Security. Trusting in God's timing. Endurance. Trust God in disaster. It's important to be faithful. Be willing to step up when called. A quick shave and a change of clothes and <laughs> be ready to go. Be willing to accept bad circumstances. But make the best out of them. Salvation. Elaborate a little bit. So maybe there's a foreshadowing here of a greater salvation God will work through Christ as the covenant continues to unfold through history. Nice. Let me close this in prayer. We're out of time. And uh, I guess my last question for each of you as, as we pray is what is God saying to you through this story? And then what might you need to do about it? Let's pray. God, we thank you... Um, for inspiring the writer of Genesis to record this story, to tell it so masterfully. Thank you uh, that you have proved again and again that you are faithful to your people, you are faithful to your covenants. We pray that you'd give us great mercy to hang in there and be faithful even when we can't see it, even when things seem darkest and it's, they seem unjust. And there's no way that we could tell the bigger picture of what you're doing. Give us the grace in those times to believe that you're faithful, to hang in there. Give us the encouragement we need. And I pray for each of us where this story hits us and the thing that we take home that we need to live out in response. I pray that you'd give us the grace to do that. Amen.